0: It's the Riverina's Triple M celebrating the 90th anniversary of 2WG on Wednesday. And a man who is here for a fair chunk of that time uh, is Alan Hull, who joins us now. G'day, mate. Lee, it's, uh, it's great to talk to you and, and the
1: listeners and, uh, yes, uh, around the, the Wagga Wagga area for, uh, for many, many years.
0: Uh, when did you start with 2WG? Well, look, this is a long story, but it's
1: a true story. Yep. I made my first appearance at the age of 12 on 2WG in a program that probably not too many people who unless they're over 65 (laughs) will remember called the Riverina Rangers. Now this was the radio children's club that operated in the late 50s and early 60s and on a Friday afternoon down in the laundry room we would go live to air from 4.30. You'd sing a song or say a poem or do something or other and if you were lucky enough to get on air and perform, the reward was a small bottle of Coke and a bag of Smith's crisps. And I did, this is not a, a made-up story. Uh, in about 1962, I performed, I sang Travelin' Man by Ricky Nelson, and I devoured the goodies shortly afterwards.
0: Uh, that is amazing. That is amazing. And how long did Riverina Rangers run for, for your recollection? Well,
1: it, it ran for quite a while. I think until probably the advent of. Of uh, television into the uh, into the regional areas, as we know, television came to Australia uh, for the Olympic Games in 1956, but that was in the city areas. And I would imagine that when the regional television started and, and afternoon children's programmes were were prevalent, uh, maybe the Riverina Rangers uh, dropped off then. But I've still got the pin. It was a a, a pin that you got a badge type of a thing uh, in uh, black and red, the colours of the radio station, and you could you could pin it on your lapel to prove that. Uh, but you were a river and a
0: ranger. Amazing. You mentioned the Wallundry room there as well. For people who aren't familiar with that, that was a big room below the radio station, wasn't it?
1: That was downstairs. If you were walking over the Wallundry Bridge and heading up towards, uh, well, the old post office and, and that area, you took a hard left. As soon as you uh, got over the Wallundry Bridge and went downstairs and down the bottom there was Wallundry Room where functions were held and a very, very well-known Wagga thespian, Louise Blackett, used to conduct her children's theatre workshop down there as well. Getting back to my first real involvement with the radio station uh, after the age of 12, my next time on air... Uh, I was about 20 years of age and had just been uh, given the duties as course broadcaster for the Wagga Harness Racing Club. This is in uh, late 1970, uh, in late 1960, I should say. And at that time, the, the harness racing was so popular that 2WG would broadcast the meetings from Wagga, from Leeton, from Tamora, and from Junee. And I was appointed uh, late in 1969 as the course broadcaster at Wagga. So then I made my radio debut as such, calling the uh, the harness racing from Wagga.
0: And of course, you've had a huge career calling sports, but you've had involvement in the station in so many other uh, capacities.
1: Yes, I did. Um, I was a qualified fitter and machinist. I worked at W. Rorison & Sons, where JB Hi-Fi now sits in Morgan Street. Uh, and during that time, I was getting involved in, in sport and whatnot. And eventually, in 1974, um, just uh, a, a month or two after I was married... Um, a position on the sales team became available. And because I'd also broadcast football from 1973, uh, I broadcast the Southwest League and what some great days they were. Anyhow, a position came up. I was anxious to try something different. And the radio station at the time, the manager said, look, you'll do fine selling radio advertising. I was very sceptical about it. They said, people know you from your harness racing broadcasting. They know you from the football and just go out there and, and do it. Uh, so I took the bit between my teeth, so to speak, and I was employed full-time as an advertising representative late in, uh, in 1974. Ken Buntain was the station manager. Chris Coulry, who was slated to become the station manager, was the sales manager at the time. And he was probably the guy that said, look, Holly, give it a go. You will make a go of it. I have confidence in you. And indeed, I took his advice
0: and I'm pleased to say he was right. That's very good. Yeah, he's obviously a good judge. Obviously a good judge. Um, he was an us, excellent judge. Talk to us about uh, some of the people who you worked with at the time and some some of those uh, people who you uh, remember and still, I guess, catch up with. Because I know there's a, there's a few around.
1: Well, look, I, I worked with uh, lots of people, particularly in, in the sporting fields, uh, legendary Wagga Australian football identity, Bert Schmidt. He would call the Farrah League on a Saturday... And I called the South West League on a Sunday because I was, at that stage, getting into race broadcasting I wasn't available to work on Saturdays. Um, the great Graham Kennedy called the Rugby League and I, I was lucky enough to progress onto the position of sports editor at the station, so I had a lot to do with sport. Mel um, Brentnell was a wonderful man who uh, everybody loved and Mel and I had a great deal in common with football. Mel was an accomplished uh, rugby league referee, of course, and father of the Australian fullback, Greg Brentnell. Uh, Barry Hayden is a man who uh, I remember a lot of the women folk would remember Barry had uh, the morning show from 9 till 12 and in the afternoon they uh, came up with a classified advertising type of uh, event called Barry's Bargain Basement. It was your buy, swap and sell segment now on Facebook or whatever yeah. where you could, uh, for 15 words and for a couple of dollars a day, uh, you would have um, your goods or whatever you wanted uh, uh, promoted on the radio station. So uh, Barry Hayden, also called Rugby League, and was a magnificent Rugby League caller. So I had a lot to do with him. Um, Pat Coombs is, is a guy who I know you've spoken to, mm. wonderful man for the radio station. And I have wonderful memories of going to Coombs, he's uh, dwelling in Dock Street, and building the 2WG Gumi. And I don't know whether you were around in the Gummy Festival days and it's halcyon days, leave it. That was a magnificent day and we did live coverages from the river and all the station was involved and uh, they were great times.
0: Funnily enough, it's one of the things that's been a constant theme is the coverage of the Gummy race by 2WG of people who were here in that era. They've all spoken about it.
1: Well, Dave Henderson, I can recall Jeff O'Brien. We were all at various points. I was on the, I was on the, on on the river on our, on our raft doing live crosses. And this is in the days when it wasn't like picking up a mobile phone and talking to someone in the world. The, the technical ability to get us all to where was something that was amazing. But the Gumi Festival was just so big and and we were proud to be a part of it. And we had our own raft and and everybody, uh, everybody got involved on,
0: uh, on Gumi Festival Day. What are some of your favourite memories of your time at the station? Well, I have lots of them. Um, harness racing, as I said, it was so
1: big that I, the, the station saw fit to uh, allow me to go to four Inter Dominion carnivals, the greatest trotting event in Australasia or New Zealand. And I called them for Wagga, Wagga exclusively, basically, from Brisbane, from Perth, from New Zealand, uh, and also from Melbourne. So great memories of those harness race broadcasting days. My numerous years of calling the South West League football and then the River Football League, they were just wonderful days. We covered both the Rugby League, of course, and the Aussie rules. And, uh, and the support that we got from the little outlying areas was phenomenal, the area parks and the Coolmans and the Grong and those sort of places just loved you to come along and broadcast their football match. And then another one of my great memories is working alongside the Australian Test Captain Bob Simpson when we would call the Two East Challenge Cup Cricket matches uh, played annually between normally Wagger and Albury. And to sit alongside a former Australian test captain and be broadcasting the cricket was pretty special for me. And the other big event, of course, was the first and only ever rugby league test played outside of a metropolitan area when the Kangaroos uh decimated i think is probably the right word the uh the the Kumals from papua new guinea who were so gallant and so colorful but just didn't have the class of the australians and at eric weissel Oval, in the middle of, I think, about 1985, I had the privilege of calling Wally Lewis, lead the kangaroos out onto Weissel Oval. And that was a big afternoon.
0: That is amazing. That is amazing. Now, we've come across some like memorabilia, I want to say, some, uh, some parts of the radio station's history in which you were involved. And I just want to ask you about them. One of which is a Christmas record, which we've got, which I will play a little bit of over the course of the uh, next few days. Well, this, this, was a, this was an idea
1: of Ken Boas, who was the breakfast announcer for many, many years. Uh, Ken wrote a song called Riverina Christmas. And look, I, I've always been somewhat of a warbler with limited ability, but I, I got to be on it and with with ian duff and uh, rob jackson i think uh, pat coombs of course was our musical director and a group called legato who were the resident band at the Wagga leagues club uh, every saturday night they had john rosengrim and david kennedy they were the backing group and we did riverina christmas uh, full of joy and laughter <laughs> and i'm not going to sing it for you now because you'll play it later and on the flip side on the flip side, I think, was Joy to the World and Ian Duff, who was a very, very accomplished singer. He was a singer at a band, Duffy, and uh, he was uh, in River Christmas as well. And the other one we did, which might be not so common, is uh, we did uh, the Wagga You're Calling Me Back, which was a Chris Cooley uh, idea. It was recorded, I think, by, by 1901, and on the flip side of Wagga You're Calling Me Back was uh, the Road to Gundah guy.
0: Oh, wow it's just it, it has been amazing some of the bits and pieces that we've uh, that we've come across over the journey and it's just like such a huge part of the Riverina, obviously. I've seen some interesting dress-up photos as well. The odd party, it looks like it went on. I've got one of you. It looked like you're dressed as Zorro or something similar.
1: Yes, and uh, that was down at the Coca-Cabana, a New Year's Eve affair, uh, which was a great night out. David Henderson's in that. Chris Coulry is a clown. And I'm going to leave that comment there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Peter, uh, I'm going with a... Fiery Marnie might be in there as well. There's a couple of others. Tony Pritchard certainly is. I think he was a a sultan. But I've just got to tell you one little ditty, and I know you interviewed Scott Levi. And, and look, Scott and I were were pretty good mates uh, over over the course of time. But I think our greatest ever time of enjoyment together was when we performed in Roger Ansell's Christmas pantomime called Cinderella. And this was held uh, as the uh, the Christmas function up at the Garden Court where Simon Terry had some wonderful nights. And uh, as it turned out, that the pantomime was, it was a great success. Scotty and I were the two ugly sisters. And I must admit, he was much more uglier than I was. But that, that was one of the great times we had together.
0: Are there any other stories, memories that you're allowed to and would like to share, either about yourself or about any of the others here at the station?
1: Well, look, I'm going to say that um, one of the interesting things was... Uh when one year, uh, at the end of December, we'd almost reached the budget, and David Thistleflake was the sales manager at the time, and we came up with the idea, or he did, that if we were to work midnight to dawn, this is when the station traditionally closed the transmission at midnight. This said, if we worked through midnight to dawn, we could generate enough revenue to get the budget for December, which would be a nice thing to do and keep those above us happy. Um, We didn't want to ask the announcers to work shift. So it turned out that David Thistle's wife and Alan Hull put on the Hully and Thistle Midnight to Dawn Request Show. Our wives and a couple of the uh, lady staff came in and took the phone calls and the Hully and Thistle Midnight to Dawn Request Show was so popular that I think it went for the next three years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how these things are born in radio and they stay.
1: I've got to also mention, I suppose, one of
0: my, my great memories,
1: uh, in those days, we're, we're looking at the 80s and whatnot. Uh, we would we would broadcast the ANZAC Day march, and uh, I was uh, uh, given the opportunity to do that. And and one of my great my great sayings is um, it's 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 11 o'clock on on ANZAC Day, and as you might be aware, Lee, uh, in the olden days, as such that if you stop transmission for more than 30 to 40 seconds and silence came on. Well, the automatic program had come on. Yeah. So it's 11 o'clock. And of course, there's the, the minute silence and remembrance for Anzac Day. And I'm standing on top of the council chambers opposite the the senator looking down. And I realized that I've got to do the whispering Ted low, and keep talking or the automatic program will come blaring in over the top. So I, I'm looking across at the, the hushed crowd and the senator and heads about and it is a special morning, and it is a very important moment. And, and I've got to say something, and I've said, well, it's a very, very moving scene out there now in the fact that nothing is moving at all. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And one so other... that, was, that was one of them. And another very interesting one that Peter Marnie, uh, the great... News uh, editor and the uh, Wagga legend uh, mentioned was of course. Uh, initially, there was a uh, the to Wagga marathon was run, uh, and the marathon started at June and they came into Wagga, and I'd gone out early in the morning as the sports guy and, and covered the race. Anyway, we get back to the finish of the marathon down near the the RSL club in Dob Street, and I'm, I'm interviewing the winner, and there are people all around, and suddenly there's two dogs came along and started to have a fight in the background. Well, these two barking dogs completely overran whatever I might have been saying to the guy who'd won the race. And it it really did sound extremely funny for this guy who'd just run the 42 kilometres or the 26 miles of the journey to Waga Marathon. He's huffing and puffing. I'm trying to conduct the interview with him, and two dogs are having a whale of a fight not more than five metres
0: away. Just amazing. And live radio at its absolute finest. Yes, and look, it's. Uh, I know it's. It's not like it used
1: to be, and unfortunately, it, it never will be like it used to be. But I suppose um, I was lucky enough to work at the station when it, it was so much a part of, uh, of everybody's life, and uh, it, it was. Uh, it, it was going to work and having fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I must admit, still is. It, like I love what I do and wouldn't trade it. It's just, it's. It's such a great place to be and do you still feel so much a part of the community Holly? it's such a pleasure to catch up and uh, spend some time with you having a bit of a reminisce about the station
1: i might just add quickly if i can lee that recently in the last couple of months i have written a book uh, about my my life and times and and 2wg does get A very, very, very good start. So if you want to learn uh, some more about um, my time with the radio station, uh, I might just give a quick little plug for uh, for the Gates Crash Back, which is available at Hunters, does give you uh, some more information uh, about people at the the radio
0: station whom
1: I uh, enjoyed working with.
0: What was it like, that process of sitting down and writing the book? Uh, look, it was fun. Um, it was difficult, but I'm one of those guys uh,
1: who has kept basically um, every race book that I've ever had uh, important type letters. So uh, the fact that I was able to reproduce those and, and go back to a lot of my old race books where the, the information is half in the back of your head, and it only takes a few little extra snippets of information to, to bring that story back to, to life and to, to, to relive it. And I was able to do that, and um, my mum my was always a great keeper of paper clippings and those sort of things, and um, to, um, to go back to, to my paper clippings and, and bits and pieces, having that, having that basic information available uh, made the, the task an enjoyable one, but again, it, it's something that you've got to want to do, you've got to do it with a passion, and I suppose it was like calling the football or calling the races. I did it with a passion because I loved it, um, and if I hadn't loved it or had such a passion, uh, I don't think it would have been. Uh, it would have turned out the way it did.
0: No, absolutely not, Alan. It's been such a pleasure to catch up this morning, and as I said, hear hear the stories of Two WG and uh, bring that history to life a little bit. I, I love the Riverina Rangers. We might have a Riverina Rangers reunion at some point in the not too distant future as well, and um, we look forward to catching up with you in the not too distant future.
1: Thank you very much, Lee. I, I really appreciate the, the, the time that you've, you've given me this morning. And although it's been a... A fair while ago, I did really appreciate and enjoy my times um, working Mm. under the flashing neon sign on the corner of Fitzmaurice Street and the Willundry Lagoon Bridge.
0: And how good is it to see it flashing and neon again? It's flashing again, and to the people that did that, I think that's terrific.
1: We all remember the flashing neon sign and the fact that it it, it continues on. While ever it's there, uh, TWG will be in the hearts and minds of the people of, of Wagga Wagga and District.
0: Absolutely. Holly, thanks for your time, mate.
1: Thanks, Lou.